I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to part two of the Stompcast. Hillary and I are wandering along the river. We're in West London. We're walking up to, well, unfortunately defunct Bridge, which Don't is start me on Hammersmith okay, Bridge. Hammersmith. Yes, as a local. <laughs> it's a, yeah. Particularly with Wandsworth Bridge being, being shut at the moment too. The traffic is quite fruity. Yeah, so Hammersmith Bridge, for anyone that you know doesn't know about it, why would you if you don't live around here? Um, Hammersmith Bridge has been closed for a good couple of years now. And four. Yeah, four years. <laughs> yep. and, and what, 20 days? <laughs> You've counted everyone. And minutes, yeah. Um, it's closed for a while because basically the thing, long story short, was falling down, something like that, right? Is that it's true? falling, it needs repairs and nobody wants to pay for it. Well, There's they, a huge fight. Who's going to pay for it? it? Yes, yeah. exactly. So the answer has been, well, let's do nothing, which is always great. Yes. Um, alas. Um, I think I read an article the other day that said that there are something like 470 bridges required for HS2. And I thought, and not one of them's been built yet. They've got to go over rivers or roads or whatever. 420 bridges need to be built. We can't even mend this one. And it's such a shame because Hammersmith Bridge is a very beautiful, iconic uh, bridge. It's such a huge shame. And if you are living in Barnes on the south side, uh, try to cross over. What if you have kids going to school on the other side of the river? Well, you can walk now, thank goodness. You can walk over here. Whereas well, it was shut pedestrians for a while. That was a nightmare. So, of course, Charing Cross Hospital is over there. So there were a lot of people in Barnes who were having treatment over there. So a big what is it, a half an hour journey oh, around? Something like, maybe 45 40. minutes, yeah. Which, you know, you could almost throw a stone over the river if you had yeah. a really good shot yeah. to get to the other side, so it's yeah. a bit frustrating. Yeah. You are just about to say something about reflection. We were just reflecting at the end of part one. Oh, yes. I w- am I allowed to ask you a question? Yes, of course. Gosh, yeah. are you st- do you still practice as a doctor? So I stopped working in the hospital almost two years to the day. So I worked in Lewisham Hospital in yes. South East. Yes, A&E. In A&E. And drama. I, it was definitely drama. Yes. Um, and I stopped working there because basically I realised... I can't do all of this stuff. It was nope. causing me a lot of harm to my own mental health. And I realized ultimately I can do a lot more and help a lot more people by doing what I have with the, with the platform and so on. But it, it is difficult to, to leave behind your comfort zone. I think that was a huge step away from comfort. Not to mention six years or seven years of training. Yeah, of course. But I, it's interesting because I found, um, I said, oh gosh, like I'm, and I'm not being, you know, I'm not practicing as clinical medicine, but actually what I've found is everything that I've ever You need learned. to duck here, because we're I now do, yeah, walking slightly. under the bridge. Yeah. I'm walking under the bridge, which means you'll have a nice little, perhaps, echo. Yeah, duck or grouse. But I found that basically that um, I use everything I've learned, which has been really helpful. And yeah. you know, one of the roles, as per the guidance from the GMC, is to, for doctors is to educate and improve the health and well-being of, you know, people in the population. And that's what I try and do. I see myself as a public health doctor now. Yeah. Uh, so no. Do. So you didn't do any doctoring at all. No. No. Nothing okay. in the hospital. No. I mean, I'm, I'm. My brother and his wife are relatively newly retired GPs, and have produced a GP who's married to a what's a colorectal surgeon, mm-hmm. and uh, an elderly care training to be an elderly Amazing. care specialist married to an anaesthetist. Laura, Laura, doctors going on. That's a lot of doctors. And I look at the the younger generation. 
who've had a very different path to their parents. Um, it, it's, it's a tough old profession, medicine. It's hard. It? Very hard, very long, long hours. I mean, my, my niece, during one of the rail strikes, was, I think she was at the time, six months pregnant with a mm. 15, 16 month old. When it was the rail strike, she used to leave home with her bicycle with the toddler in it, take her to nursery. Then she would cycle five miles to the hospital mm. she was working at. She'd do a full shift. Then she'd come out, it would be dark. She'd then cycle five miles back, mm -hmm. pregnant, wow. pick up her daughter, then wheel the bike home. Wow. And then get home. And her mother said to her, That's commitment, will the hospital it? not pay for a taxi for you? She said, yes, but she said, can you imagine the cost to the NHS of us all getting taxes? It's ridiculous. I'm perfectly capable mm. of doing that. Wow. And I thought this, I mean, my hats off to people who work mm. in the NHS, because not only are they doing that hard job, but they're very invested in the concept of the NHS. There's a, there's a triage nurse that works at um, Lewisham and uh, she brilliantly put it that if um, it wasn't for the fact that those who work for the NHS give 150% every single day, if they decided one day to just give 100%, 100%. it would collapse the next yep. day. Yep. And that, that's the thing is the NHS is, is built on the goodwill of the people working yes. for it. But yes. the problem is the system, you know, it's been, that's been flogged to the point of absolute burnout and exhaustion. Yep. Now, I saw stats a few months ago that something like 80% of doctors and nurses have significant signs of burnout. And it's like, well, how long is this going to yeah. last? It's, it, it, it is tough. And, you know, people say, well, you know, doctors 20 years ago, they worked 100 hour weeks. They also didn't see as many patients. Lewisham has, this, uh, you know, sees two or three times more patients now than it saw 20 years ago. You know, the same just because it was happening 20 years ago doesn't, didn't make it right then, probably. No, it wasn't right then. It was, but you know, we see, yeah, we see so, gosh, we see, we'll put it like this. Um, one of my consultants said when he started, they used to close, obviously, I'm not saying it was quiet all the time, obviously, but you know, when it was quiet enough, they closed minors. And if there was hardly any patients on your break, you'd be like bowling a cricket ball down and playing cricket in minors, right? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, everyone's jaws dropped. They couldn't believe it when we were working there because minors never closes. It's always got like a yeah, four yeah, hour wait. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it shows how busy it can be. But listen, we're not here to talk about my, uh, your career. <laughs> my career. Love to. I'd about love your to. I'd love to hear a little bit about how you got into the work that you that you do and you did because you you know your your acting well, career has been a long time. Yeah, I, li I like to think that I'm um, actually a shining example, rather like Michael, with a shining example of the late bloomers, because I um, I left school, decided I wanted to be an actress, did all my drama school auditions, didn't get in the first year, then got a job in a theatre just in the box office, then managed to wheedle my way backstage, which got me an equity card. Then redid my drama school auditions, got into one, decided not to go because I was then working off my equity card, so went straight into the business. What does an equity card mean, sorry? Well, so equity is the actors' union, okay. which back then you couldn't work without an equity card and you couldn't get an equity card without a job, so it was a vicious cycle. That sounds a bit It was a catch-22, though, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, a real catch-22, and it was a very closed shop. Right. But I managed to get one, and I thought, mm, do I need to take three years out to go to drama school? Probably better just work it, because you then had to work for a certain amount of time to get the full card. Ah, right, okay. Fairly early on in the piece, I met Michael, who was a little, a little tiny bit older than me. <laughs> 20 years, I understand. <laughs> 21 years older than me. We got married, he hadn't had children, he wanted children, I wanted children. So we got on with children. I had three under four, 
which rather put paid to my career. Three under four, yeah that's, yeah, that's that's such a good challenge. I did bits and bobs. I was also, I mean, I was very, very seriously ill after I had my second child, Molly. Very seriously ill to the point that on a number of occasions when Michael came up to check on me of an evening, I would say to him, can you just tell the children what I was like? Because I think I'm oh going. I had double pneumonia and pleurisy. Oh, and I thought, I'm out of here. Wow. Anyway, I, I wasn't. I pulled through. Oh, goodness, yeah. But again, that slightly changed my perspective because I thought, I have the children, then I'll get going with my career. I actually became a bit more of a stay-at-home mum. I did do bits and pieces, but I, it sort of chipped off the corners of my ambition because I thought, actually, that's not the most important thing. The mo I, I sort of feel... I saw Barack Obama being interviewed the other day, and he said, if you get family right, you get it all right. And I thought, OK, I've got to get family right. God, that's a beautiful It's quote, yeah. literally the bedrock of everything. And so that's what I did. So I did bits and pieces, and then obviously the children grew up. Michael was an agent, so he was in the business. Uh, Jack then had this weird trajectory where he became very successful, very famous, very quickly. His USP being his youth, because he got going at 18. He got, so, he got seen at the Edinburgh Festival, mm. and that was it. Bam. He was off. Yeah. So then suddenly Huge we're talent, a whole yeah. different trajectory. And he's very generous, Jack. He, he brings a lot of... He's a very loyal man, Jack. And he brings a lot of people along with him. So, for instance, the chap who um, writes and directs Bad Education with him was at school with him. Mm. They've known each other oh, since wow. they were 13. That's a lovely trait to have, that loyalty yeah. and wanting to raise others. That's when you really see what people are like, isn't it? it absolutely. And when So he's currently on tour doing um, his uh, Settle Down tour. Mm. He likes to use up-and-coming comedians as his warm-ups. Yeah. You know, so they get a taste of what it's like to be in an arena. That's a brilliant thing to um, do. Gives them such is, a like. I mean, that's like a once-in-life opportunity for someone who wants to get into that space. Absolutely, and it, and and it gives them that skill set then to deal with a massive crowd. Yeah. God, um, no pressure. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> and you know, his best mates, the mates he hangs out with the most, are all from school or university. You know, that's, and they are quite happy to say to him, Jack, do you know what? You're being a bit of a dick. And he'll take it from them because they've yeah. known him for so long. Yeah. Well, he seems, he does seem, I've never met Jack, but he seems like an absolutely lovely guy. That's all. But I think, I think a lot of the reason is that, that, that all of you have you know, been so successful is that you are just very, very honest, open. And actually, I think just really like, down to earth and, and you know, relatable in the sense that you're just humans that are humans and you, make, you have a laugh about it, right? Yeah. Just... I, I had two parents who were in the caring professions. My mother was a social worker. And my father was, I guess, what would now be called a management consultant, but he was a psychologist, essentially, but very much in the sort of industry sphere. And they were fascinated and interested and, and you know, driven by people. They loved people. And they treated everybody the same. So, you know, if my father met the man who was emptying the bins, he would treat him exactly the same as if he met, Quite right, you yeah. know, the local lord of the manor. And I've always said that to my children. Everyone's playing their part, and you must treat them with respect. You treat them as you would want to be treated yourself. And I think that's what I find difficult about social media, going back to that, is that it's almost, it's almost as basic as if you can't think of something nice to say, then don't say it. It's a pretty good uh, practice for life in general. Yeah. Now, that's not to say that you can't take people to task, but you can do it in a kind way yeah. or in a positive, trying-to-be-constructive way. Like in the past, you know, wouldn't you have a discussion with someone at school, or you have a debate, you know, at school, they'd set up like, you know, right, okay, we're going to have a debate or discussion about this today. 
you, the aim would be you put across the points of what you thought about whatever it was, uh, like the solution to the climate crisis or whatever, you know, you'd have that kind of debate at school. Um, and you'd come away and you'd respect each other. You'd have yep. a disagreeable opinion, but you'd walk away with respect. Yep. But that is where we've lost as well. Isn't it? It's like, if you don't agree with me, not only are we going to argue this point, but I'm going to hate on you and you're going to hate you now. And yeah. this is going to be a yeah. nasty feud rather than saying we can disagree. But again, at the end, agree to disagree almost, isn't yeah. it? You yeah. can't come to the solution. I think also you need to take a beat. So I would be the first to say that I am a very impatient driver. So yeah. if somebody cuts me off on the one one way system, particularly yeah. at the moment when the bridge is being shut, yeah. my initial reaction is, and then How I think, no, you? just take a breath. Take a breath. Yeah. Take a breath. They've probably got somewhere to be yeah. that they need to be in a hurry. So just take a breath. Let it be. Yeah. So back to, back to your my career. career. So Such as it is. <laughs> so you had a real moment in your life, I guess, where you it sounds like you were look you were facing, you know, mortality in a way. You're like, oh my gosh, what how is this going to go? I mean I had one of those moments of looking down at myself on the bed. Really? Thinking, did you actually? I did. I People did. Say, that's really like, um, lots of people say that, don't they? When they, they, they almost have a, like, an, not enlightenment, but like a... It's a weird out-of-body experience. Really? Looking down at myself. And then I had a very sweet cleaner at the time who was there. And she came in and she said, oh, my God, are you OK? You look like you've seen a ghost. And I said, well, I sort of have. It's almost like the, the, her coming in sort of jolted me back. I mean, it was, you know, could, be, it could have been a dream, whatever. But a delirium, maybe. Even. A delirium, yeah. exactly, because I had terrible fevers. But... At that point, I thought, okay, I don't, I, I'm not ready to leave this little baby because Molly was only about two months. Did you go to the hospital? No, I didn't. And you of just course, it at home. It was a big <laughs> do not do that at home, people. If you're feeling that well, yeah, please, please go to the hospital. Well, there was a big <laughs> flu epidemic on at the yeah. time, and for various reasons. I mean, I, I again, I can't even remember quite what happened, but what I do remember is that my brother, the GP, said, "What are you on?" I told him what I was on. He said, "Right, okay." As far as I'm concerned, that's the wrong antibiotic and the wrong dose. Mm. That's why you're not getting better. So you need to go back to the doctor and say, I need to change this. So I went back to a different doctor. They duly did that. But it was, it was many weeks of having this wretched pneumonia that I couldn't shake. I'd had two ba babies very quickly. Mm. I was probably exhausted. Yeah, the immune system and everything, your yeah. body, you know, everything. Anyway, I thought to myself at that point, I'm not, I want to see this little girl grow up. I want to make sure she's okay. She's just had a second baby, so. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is Molly, isn't it? That's Molly, yeah. yeah. But um, I think that one has to remember too about family dynamics. You know, we've all got fault lines in our families, some more than others, and they're challenging. I, I accept that, you know, I have in my own personal, not my family, but my further back, there's a few fault lines, which have been very challenging, but you just have to get on with it. You have to just move forward and try and get on with it. And that's what you did. And, and yeah. when did you decide then, right, the family, you said the family sorted. I know what you kind of mean. Nothing's ever sorted entirely, but nope. the family unit was there. When did you kind of decide, like, do you know what? I'm actually going to, I enjoy acting. This is what I'm going to do. And so I did, I did another job for 10 years, actually. I retrained and became a postnatal doula, looking after new mummies with babies, because I've always loved a baby. So I did that for 10 years. And then Jack became famous at the end of that. And I thought, okay, I need to support him now in what he's doing. I, people always say to me, what do you do? I used to say, I'm an enabler. I enable everyone else to do their shit. <laughs> Which <laughs> I still am to a degree. Job title, enabler. Yeah. I got a quite I'm an cool enabler. title. Really. Yeah. 
Sounds like um, a, like an enforcer or something. Yeah. It sounds like a gang leader, like an enabler. Capity capity. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, so I stopped being a doula, which I loved. I now occasionally see people on this towpath that come up to me and they go, Hillary, and I go, yes. And they're standing there with a strapping six foot two man and they go, this is Marcus. And I go, because of course I had Marcus as a baby. I looked after Marcus as a baby and there he is at six They're bringing two. back to so all exactly. those years later. Like, yeah. ah, yes, I used to wipe your bottom or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It's like, and it's always fantastic when that happens to you in public. Because I've had that, my, I had that before my mum and someone saying that. And you're like, well, right, she was great, a teacher, thanks wasn't for that. She? Mum worked um, oh. in the bank. Oh, right. But, yeah, okay. in the bank. But she goes a lot into colleges and things now. She does a lot with schools and things yeah. and, uh, and so on. But yeah, <laughs> it does happen <laughs> to me as well. A little bit so people come and yeah. say that but hey well you had a, a strange trajectory because you went from being a working doctor yeah. to being this yeah. phenomena well, I, i'm ashamed <laughs> to tell you all my children are obsessed with love island oh, i've oh, not really? actually watched one single minute of one single episode <laughs> oh god Partly what does jack say about me too. God. <laughs> <laughs> not good on technology uh, hey what does michael say about that um, he he literally it goes right over his head. He's like, what is this yeah. absolute rubbish? Look where we were the other day. <laughs> and Jack came to stay with Roxy. Yeah. And Molly was there mm. staying because her husband was away. And at ten o'clock, Michael was saying, "I'm going to bed." And I said, "What are you guys doing?" He said, "Watching Love Island." I said, "Okay, I think I'll leave you to it." Yeah, like, okay. I'll, I'll pass. Yeah. I'll pass. So Jack, for you, was the when he had that rocket, and it was really a rocket. I mean, I watched kind of him with everything that, that's happened for him, you know, really enjoyed actually watching someone do so well. Um, that for you was then also like, right, I'm gonna, I actually fancy, you know, getting back into this. So I think, yes, I think uh, it was a bit more gradual than that. I mean, I did a few jobs, but of course I, I've only just forgiven him because when he decided he was gonna use a parent to work with, he picked his father. I get that, it's a funny vibe. He's a very funny man. It, it was a great, the father-son dynamic. You're very part of that is, show, right? In terms of like, I mean, it was very much. Uh, I've shoehorned my way in, yeah. let me tell you, with a crowbar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, I quite mean, rightly. Michael and I are not known as the Nepo parents for nothing. <laughs> Thing is though, is that the dynamic works so well because you are so funny all together. That's how it kind of works. And it's kind of watching, I, I always wonder, how do you deal with them? Because they are quite, them. you kind of like have to, it's quite funny watching you yep. be like, oh God. I mean, the funnier thing would be a documentary of the making of the show with me and Carpart with one one side and one the other. So, right, just take 10 minutes. <laughs> it's just funny breathe. watching you trying to be like... <laughs> yeah. Do you think that, is it that they are very similar, but different? What, what is it? I think, I think the age difference is probably the biggest. I think, you know, all of my children have very different views to their father because he's, you know nearly 50 years older than them. He's from a completely different, he's from a war generation. He was born in the Second World War. You know, it's a very different outlook. It does make you like, you know, I, my, when I go, I've just come back from being in Wales and my parents, my, my dad's uh, 65, mum's 58, I think she is. And uh, it is funny, because it does often make you realise that like, we all have those interactions with parents, like, Dad, what are you saying? That You can't say yes, that, you Dad. Cannot say half that. the time, like, yeah. Dad, no, or Mum, or whatever. Yeah. And we have debates and stuff. There's and you a lot do of laugh. that goes on. It so is funny because you realise how much each fa every family must have pretty similar scenarios yeah. of like cause you're yeah. trying to teach them about this and they've never heard of this and you're like no no this is what you need to, this is how it is these days and yeah. they're like oh well that wasn't yeah. like that my day and yeah yeah exactly it's quite, it's quite it's, funny it's an education indeed yeah. indeed and Just, actually I think they keep Michael very young they yeah. keep him very relevant very on it as much as they can which is great. <laughs> 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. What have you enjoyed most in your career? Is it is it the podcasting now? I guess we're on I the podcasting. I love the podcasting. What, it's free what, yeah, reign. What is it that you enjoy the most, and what 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 would you say further goals would be, or other ro- like roles you'd like to play? Or I think I love the podcast because we have a slightly freer reign because podcasting is a much freer at the moment. I'm sure they're going to start bolting it down. It's a freer, uh, as it were, creative force, um, and I love the fact that Michael and I can show that you can be happily married for. 40, nearly 40 years and disagree because we do most of the time on most things but you just rub along together you agree to disagree and we have been married for nearly 40 years and I would say that you know it's hard work it, marriages don't just happen marriage is not 50 50 it changes all the time sometimes I might be feeling a bit I need a bit of a, a lift and he'll be there for me or the other way around you know he'll say about travels he'll say do you think I can do it? You know, I'm so old. And I'm, I'm going to be okay. I said, you're going to be okay. You know, you'll be fine. You've got Jack. It'll be great. You've got a great crew. They've had the same crew for all the series. Wonderful producers. They very much look after them. You'll be fine. And giving him the confidence to then go and do what he does best, which is be funny. And that's what it's about. It's all about... Supporting each other at different exactly. points. What, would, what, what advice do you give to people, I guess, that are... That have, they're getting married or you know you, you think you found your person because i think again not to bash social media all the time but it is kind of like lots of like perfect marriages and relationships marriage is, is never perfect yeah. i think marriage it's a bit like the river that we're walking along here you know it goes in it comes it goes out it comes in it goes out it comes in um, it's an ever moving thing and you have to just work out what's required at the time as i said it's hard work and you have to learn to compromise And I think my biggest, my mother gave me a piece of advice on my wedding day, which was, she said, whatever you do, do not let the sun go down on an argument. Sort it out before you go to sleep. And she's absolutely right. It's a brilliant bit of advice, actually, isn't it? You don't wake up the next day on ill feeling and and, and so on. Yeah. And I think you just have to learn together. I I mean, I've always been a, a, a one woman dog, as it were. You know, I set my cap and that was it. He was my man. Do you think there's kind of... Do you think kind of the way the world is now, do you think the grass is greener is a big thing? Do you think people kind of look and think, oh, you know, they're going to be happier elsewhere? Because in any relationship, though, I say there's good times, there's bad times. I guess yeah. it's working through them and learning to... It is. I mean, that said, if it's really not working, it's probably not a healthy environment mm. to be in, certainly not for children. Maybe sometimes it is better to just have that break. But again, I would argue probably best to try and keep it as amicable as possible because at the end of the day, that person is your child's other parent. So it just makes life a bit easier for the child 
if you can have a civil relationship. Yeah, indeed. indeed. Does it not? Indeed. And actually, with, with Michael, when my kids were growing up, you know, he's a, he's a big character and always has been a big character with big opinions, as you see. And sometimes the children would come to me, particularly in their teens, and say, oh, my God, he's driving me mad. I don't know what to do. And I'd say, look, at the end of the day, I can't, I can't help you here. He's your father. You have to work out your relationship with your father. There's no point in me getting involved with it because he's not my father. It feels like a clip from the travels of my father. Yeah, exactly. You've got to work it out. Yeah, work it out and you'll be fine. <laughs> but it is an important life skills as well, isn't it? Like growing up is learning to deal with situations. I mean, you mentioned, um, you know, producers and, and people involved. I mean, ultimately, you know, people often will see uh, what's going on on screen in terms of film as we see on the TV or whatever. But there's always others, other people to work with as well. And you've got to deal with those dynamics and not yeah. everyone you're going to work with. I mean, you said your production was fantastic and so on, but not everyone you're going to work with you're going to get along with, whether that's in acting, whether it's at work or whatever it is. Well, I think it's, a, it's probably the most important lesson that you can learn is I mean, I actually went to boarding school. I went to a state boarding school, which is a weird hybrid of schooling because okay. it's How's a state that? school. I've never heard of that before. State boarding school. There's, I think there's 35 of them in the country. And it's a state school, but they have a boarding element, so you just pay for the boarding. Right. All the tuition is free. How did you find boarding school? I some people love it, some people hate loved it. it. You loved it? I loved it because I love sport, I love drama, I loved all the things I shouldn't be loving. I did no work. But I did a lot of sport, a lot of drama, a lot of music, and an amazing music teacher. So yes, I loved it. But what it did do, if I tell you that I started at boarding school in a dormitory with 12 girls, one of whom sadly was killed just after we all left school, and one we've lost touch with. Of the other 10, myself included, we've just had a weekend away celebrating our 60th birthdays late because of lockdown. And we are still friends. That is amazing. It, isn't and, it? and they're not necessarily the people that I would have picked then or indeed pick now, but we have such a common history and I have a deep, deep affection for them because yeah. we have that common history. There's something about like a shared, like shared story, isn't it? Like we yeah. are as human beings, as a race, we're obsessed with belonging, with time, with kind of our history, looking back and understanding. We are inherently nostalgic, I think, as creatures, aren't we? I mean, even we the are. fact we, we attach um, periods of time to monarchies and, and so on, whether you're royal or not, you'll under, you might reflect back and say, oh, that during whatever queen, whoever's period, this happened. You know, we, yep. do, we do have that feeling and that necessity almost to have a story. Yeah, well, and to belong mm. to something, mm. don't we? We like, we like to feel that we are included in things. I think that's the... And I would say, again, I used to say it to my children, try not to, to, to actually, you know, disclude. Is it disclude? To, to exclude. exclude. Try not to yeah. exclude people because everyone's got, a, you know, something to contribute. And, and then I guess attached to that is, is feeling a sense of purpose as well. Like, what do you... The first chapter of my first book, Live Well Every Day, I talk about purpose. And I think, for me, having a purpose is absolutely vital for any human being because without purpose, nothing else you do in your life will have have, you won't put any energy to it for starters in terms of yeah. looking after yourself and so on. Yeah. Like, do you, are you aware of like what you feel your purpose is? Is that something you think about? Um, I, I, th I think like a lot of people, I just want to leave the world a very t in a very, very tiny, tiny way. I want to just leave the world a slightly better place than it was when I came into it. You know, that's one's hope, isn't it? That you're remembered as being, do you know what? She, we'll get back to that, that really sort of anodyne, ridiculous word. She was a good person. 
And that's what I hope for, is that people said, you know what, she was a good person. And she liked to laugh. Well, I think you laugh, and I think you may have a lot of other people laugh as well. Well, on that note, we'll come, uh, we'll come to the end of, of this part. So thank you so much to everyone that's joined us on this stomp. I hope the planes haven't disturbed you too much, but hey, we'll we're out walking, we're not in a studio, we are walking, yes. that's life. Thank you so much for listening to this part of the Stompcast. If you're ready and want to listen to the next part right now, head over to Apple Podcasts and hit subscribe to Behind the Stomp. Otherwise, we'll see you tomorrow. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.